The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me Dr. Lalit Johari from Oxford and uh, Mr. James Klein, JR, from Ohio to discuss the most pressing subject of modern times, leadership in 21st century. Today is the third episode in series of four on the leadership in 21st century. We had some very interesting discussions in the past two episodes. We will continue from there and address other important aspects like how to lead when rapid technological changes are occurring, amongst other variables affecting the leadership. Welcome, Lalit. Uh, welcome, JR. Hi, Mahesh. Hi, Jia. Lovely to be back on this program with both of you. Uh, it is again a pleasure to uh, to sit and think with with uh, uh, two scholars uh, such as you. Well, thank you, uh, JR. Thank you, Lalit. Uh, uh, phenomenal discussions we had in uh, the earlier episodes on the, the leadership in 21st century. And in the last episode, we did talk about uh, various uh, influencers or the influencing environments on, on the leadership, which included inequality, terrorism, environmental issues, global warming. <clears throat> I just wanted to start with an example. just want to share with the, uh, our audience that how leaders can make impact. Uh, uh, there, there's a small country called Bhutan between India and, uh, and China. And uh, Bhutan is almost like 700,000 people, very small country, uh, underdeveloped, um, and um, a sandwich between, you see, between India and China, if you are, both developing very fast. Both have, uh, I think, number one and number two population in the world. So they're, they're trying their best to be uh, in an environment and survive where you have such two big neighbors. Very scenic, very beautiful place. But actually, uh, why I picked up the example of Bhutan is, is they have had some extraordinary kings or monarchs. And their leadership qualities uh, can be seen in a tough world, that how they've shaped the destiny of their country. And because of which, the country is thriving. So um, what the kings have done, they have worked pretty hard. Uh, to develop the country while balancing few factors. One of them is uh, economic growth. 
that's the backbone you need it so careful economic growth uh, with social development clear environmental sustainability and they wanted to preserve their culture you can see their festivals they celebrate and what clothes they wear now this the kings put in constitution actually how they will work so they created this all of this in a framework of good governance and they uh, i think they coined this term gnh which is gross national happiness and uh, the first king in uh, early 70s he clearly stated that gnh gross national happiness is more important than gnp of the country now if you look at the development goals or economic development needed in the country uh, which has a gdp of i think close to 2 billion dollars not 2 billion several people have more than that as a net worth and if you look at the whole globe but seeing the gdp of 2 billion what they are providing because of the drive from leadership setting the right processes education is free healthcare is free including medicine how do they do it they have very limited resources but they use them very carefully and the whole country is committed and they are staying very faithful to the core mission of gnh that's the leadership driving uh, the population to behave in a certain way the kings very clearly said that economic growth is very very important but must not come at the cost of environment and the unique culture the country possesses mm-hmm. and now um, uh, coming fast forward if you see what's happening in the country 72% of the country is under forest cover why because they put in the constitution that the mission of the country is to have 60% of the land always remain under forest cover mm-hmm. normally the monarchs and kings want to rule but in bhutan's case it was very unique the king put in the constitution to impose democracy and also another clause the king incorporated was it empowered the people to impeach the king and also all kings must retire at the age of 65 and uh, one of the kings the last one when he was at the peak of his popularity he retired at 51 mm-hmm. and now what is the impact of all that what the leadership uh, decided to drive the country with the gnh now bhutan has become the global biodiversity hotspot it is the only country in the world which is carbon neutral actually it's carbon negative means it's a carbon sink uh, they generate around 2.2 million ton of co2 but their forest cover sequestration is three times that 6.6 million so 4 million ton carbon sink beyond that since they are in mountains the flow of rivers is pretty fast uh, they develop renewable energy from rivers and export to neighboring countries and as per their calculations by 2020 they will have offset 17 million tons of renewable energy uh, sorry 17 million tons of carbon dioxide and if they can harvest their goal is half of it uh, they will be offsetting almost 50 million ton but now you look at how to sustain in an environment where they are their carbon sink not even car- not only uh, uh, they are Neutral. producing less carbon they are consuming it through the forest cover helping the world but what they are facing is flooding mm-hmm. 
they have glaciers which are melting because of global warming. That's no fault of theirs. And it's only one glacier lake, if uh, my uh, data goes correct, which flooded uh, quite a bit of Bhutan and their issues. There are 2,700 such glacier lakes. But they're still continuing. They are enhancing their efforts for becoming a bigger carbon sink, like free, like free electricity to farmers so that they don't uh, burn the firewood. Subsidies on electric vehicles, LED lights to be used. And above all, government is going paperless first. Mm -hmm. And they're driving the concept of green Bhutan in clean Bhutan. So uh, what, what I see uh, in, in Bhutan is a rare effort driven by the right mindset of leadership followed throughout. And one very unique thing which I want to mention, not only they are uh, developing forest cover, they're connecting in various parts of Bhutan through uh, uh, a network of biological corridors to help animals move around freely in the country, don't remain to one uh, protected forest area. So this, uh, uh, this uniqueness of a small country uh, came as, as something which a lot of leaders, a lot of countries can learn from. So I thought of sharing with you and our viewers today. It's a very good example, Mahesh, to start this conversation. And uh, there are multiple ways to characterize this kind of leadership. Um, any word that uh, comes to your mind will be applicable, such as uh, uh, a leadership with a strong vision of what the world should be like. Uh, it's about being very responsible, it's, it's about being action-driven, it's about being able to uh, deliver what is generally considered to be a difficult framework of uh, solutions and we already know that in today's America there is a scant respect being paid to uh, environmental issues, at least in terms of the public uh, uh, narrative that we are beginning to see. So, for me, it's a very, very powerful example, Mahesh. Uh, thank you for bringing this to our notice. And uh, I get opportunities to interact with uh, very senior uh, officials from Bhutan, and I often uh, get to hear a lot of insights about how they are doing it. It's all about alignment of the society. It's all about uh, discipline. It's all about everybody, irrespective of the age, socioeconomic background, participating in a national mission. So that is something that um, only the most authentic leaders can achieve. Leaders who walk the talk. Let me put it that way. That's, that's a very good point. Because here the leadership is leading by example. Although they have set up pretty tough goals, they are sticking to it. And that too in an underdeveloped country which is trying hard uh, to develop themselves. And to your point, uh, Lalit, on the narratives coming from developed countries, uh, in terms of numbers, uh, what the plan is uh, for uh, half of the renewables, if they can 
used for electricity generation and can offset carbon. That's more than 50 million tons. That is more than what New York City creates in a year. <laughs> so they can clean up the whole uh, New York. Yes, absolutely. The fascinating part in this leadership and uh, the people behavior and remaining committed to what they started, got convinced and keep moving is that they have even suffered because of no fault of theirs. Global mm -hmm. warming causing glacier flooding, they're not complaining about it. They're moving ahead. Mm. In 2009, they declared in Copenhagen, we'll be carbon neutral. They restated in 2014 in Paris. Um, mm. And, and they, they are going ahead with that. I think that's where I saw some example of uh, a true leadership behavior, King retiring early. King uh, bothered about uh, the culture, cultural uh, diversity being maintained, environment being maintained while creating an economic growth. So it, it gives an example if, if the leader is rightly focused, it can make all of these grow hand in hand. It is not one or the other. Yes, absolutely. So um, moving on. Um, I wanted to move, to to take our discussion to uh, uh, another another level on on the technology side. As the technology is moving so fast, there are some very rapid technological shifts happening, and that's what is the environment today. How do you see the role of leaders in such an environment? Let us uh, uh, talk about two kinds of organizations. Let us talk about uh, organizations uh, where the core of business is based on technological innovation. Uh, these are uh, some of the big technology companies uh, which have uh, <coughs> made silicon very, very famous. Now, if you ask a question that what is the profile of the leaders in these companies? First of all, the leadership in these companies is something like a distributed phenomena. In sharp contrast to a traditional organization where uh, most of the time leaders evolve and when they have put in 20, 25, 30 years of work, they tend to become the CEO of the company. That's not the case with technology companies. In technology companies, you could be an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old and you could be uh, providing the thought leadership and uh, technological breakthroughs which will enable the company to grow. So the notion of leadership in a, in a company where technology is the core of business is dramatically different as compared to what we find in some of the traditional operations. This is the first point. Let me focus a little bit on um, traditional companies where, uh, generally speaking, of course there are always exceptions, the profile of the leader would be somebody in the, in the age group of about 40 plus, 45 plus, depending on how progressive is the board in that kind of a company. Now here the most fundamental role of the leader would be to be able to understand that what is the nature of technological shift which is affecting the industry as well as 
the uh, business model and the and the delivery models of the organization and if the nature of technical innovation and technical complexity in the industry sector is very high then very clearly the ceo of such a company has to be able to not only uh, comprehend himself but also simplify the message of the technological change and how it is going to impact the organization and the employees in a very clear way and here i will take the example of banking and insurance um, with growing the uh, use of uh, technology in terms of uh, online sales of banking products and insurance products uh the big role that i would imagine the big challenging role in front of the leader of uh, the leadership team of a bank or insurance company would be to be able to predict that what is going to be the next shift in the technology how can we respond to this technological change and who's going to be the the um, mysterious competitor because in these sectors we find that the competitor may not have a specialty background in the sector and we have seen that a large number of uh, technology companies uh, have moved into uh, or rather beginning to move into sectors like banking and insurance and other financial products so the leadership in one case in a technology in a company where the core is the technology it's all about harvesting the, the most imaginative ideas of everybody whether it's a competitor whether it's a customer or a young employee or somebody young in a college wherever in a, in a, in a traditional uh, organization the the core of the leadership role would be more about being able to foresee the changes being able to comprehend that how the company should respond so that company can sustain the 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 performance that they are used to in terms of historical right uh, because, yeah because there are historical references available there yeah. Yeah, and uh, going from there. Lalit, um, I want to continue the chain of thoughts. We'll take a short break and we'll continue. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Yoshi. I have with me uh, Dr. Lalit Jori from Oxford and uh, JR and myself, the Oxford cohorts, in discussion on uh, the leadership in 21st century. Uh, uh, in the earlier segment, we are talking about uh, what is the role of leaders in an environment with rapid uh, technological shifts and what's different now. Uh, JR, uh, you would like to share your thoughts with us. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate uh, uh, late sort of framing uh, of, of this issue. It, this issue uh, is, is not that different because we've always had changes uh, in business, but it is different because of, of the nature of this change. I have, I have a tendency to think that the that the, that the role of businesses in this kind of a rapidly changing technological environment is really not that different than the role of, of strategically effective leaders has ever been. They need to be creative and inclusive. They need to be uh, driven to deliver. They, they have to uh, behave as, as trusted uh, leaders. Um, there are additional ne uh, necessary challenges that change leaders today also have to address. You know, they must understand sort of these basic principles of inclusive leadership. It's kind of, uh, this is sort of part and parcel of what uh, Lalit was talking about. Uh, they, they must not only understand the character of leadership, but also the challenges in an ever-changing environment. You know, the cycle of change in this techno uh, technologically um, active world continues to diminish. And uh, it, the result is that uh, we have an environment that is basically constantly modulating. Now I'm going to quote uh, I'm going to quote Douglas Reed uh, Douglas Reddy I'm sorry uh, in an article from Harvard Business Review it says we know that two thirds of large scale transformation efforts fail, uh, but that's not a, a terribly helpful piece of information unless we're looking for confirmation that this is hard, it's really hard. And so I think it takes us, it behooves us to take some time about thinking about uh, the, 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 the real challenges that leaders have in a business world that is constantly changing. Um, things that that leaders must do you know uh, they, the first thing that they have to do is they really have to take time to know their to know their cultures uh, smart capable uh, uh, solid professionals must often perform most often perform well in their roles until they are confronted with the embedded pressures and contradictions uh, in a changing environment. It's not new that leaders have always faced this kind of tension of change. What is different today is that leaders no longer have the luxury of time uh, that, that, uh, that makes leading effectively more complicated. 
you don't have time to recover before you're faced with the next tension. Uh, the most common contradictions, I believe, that, that leaders face when they're in this driving transformational effort is that they're, they're, the contradiction between revitalization and normalization, between revitalization and normalization. At the, at the core of every change initiative is a desire to breathe new life into the organization. That's basically what the definition is. To, re to, to realize different ways of thinking, to behave uh, and work differently, but one change initiative often morphs into many, and before long, employees become weary, and they became, become change-weary. Therefore, the challenge is a need for revitalization, but the desire for normalization. The second piece is, the second one, is the, the contradiction between globalization and simplification. Doing business today means doing business globally. No matter what the common rhetoric would tell us, it's, it's really about that. But the complexities brought on by globalization are often in conflict with the need for the organization to make it simple for their customers. Leaders struggle with creating organizational responses that, that address the need to master globalization while offering customers and employees simplification. The third big challenge, I believe, is between innovation and regulation. Many organizations, uh, particularly in the aftermath of our last uh, a global financial crisis are encumbered with trying to do business, let alone innovate, under increasingly crushing regulatory environments. It's taxing on a company's capacity to find creative approaches to solve customer needs. As such, the struggle is with the tension between the desire to boost innovation and the need to operate under increasing regulation. The fourth, um, the fourth contradiction is between optimization and rationalization. Customers not only have uh, more power today in some interest, in some industries, they, they seem to have all the power. Organizations are struggling to provide solutions that are better, faster, cheaper, increasingly customized. Leaders are caught in a seemingly endless struggle to reconcile the tension between optimizing benefit to customers while rationalizing their cost of doing business. And, and the final one, uh, the final one is digitation 
I'm calling it digitization, mm -hmm. uh, versus humanization. Advanced technology is at the core of virtually every company's business model today. It has to be. Entire value change have, have been digitized, yet the onset of pervasive digitization is occurring at the same time that individuals are yearning for a sense of meaning in their organizations. Leaders are struggling with how to reconcile the increasing need for digitization of their business model while trying to create organizational climates that have an authentic sense of, of humanity, creating an overarching sense of purpose and collective uh, ambition. Yeah, and, and that's a fact that digitization is going to happen, so one has to be careful uh, balancing digitization versus humanization. Yeah, and 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 so so then then they, then the question becomes so those are the challenges. Uh, what do we do? What what do leaders do? Well, you know, I learned something as a cohort of Oxford uh, a while ago that has continued to stick with me and bubbles up in this conversation all the time, and it's very very complex but very very simple, and it is listen. Listen, listen. And that's almost the definition of inclusive uh, leadership. You know, uh, successful transformational leaders embrace these tensions that we just talked about, even though they make the challenge uh, more complex. Uh, there, there's no real easy answer. However, uh, the leader's core commitment to reconciling this tension is vital. This isn't something that you can decide to do this afternoon and and all of a sudden it, it becomes real tomorrow morning. That means that committing to an ongoing communications and listening campaign so people know what's going on, they know how they might contribute to this transformational effort, and they know that they're invited to do so is extremely important. This process starts right at the top, right with the chief executive officer telling, telling powerful and compelling stories of where the company has been and uh, where it is now, where they want to go, and why they wanted to get it there, but this doesn't end there. Senior leaders have to be ready to sort of open up the floodgates and allow their managers and, and employees that are closest to their clients uh, and to to surface these tensions and, and discuss them openly. While this might not resolve the tension and paradoxes, it enables people to at least acknowledge that they exist and have their concerns heard and discuss proactive ways to go forward together. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because that is getting them together to move forward. Uh, brilliant points, JR. We'll now take a short break and we'll continue after the break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We have uh, Dr. Lali Jori from Oxford, JR, and myself, Oxford Cohorts, in discussion uh, with Dr. Jori on uh, the subject of leadership in 21st century. Um, we are discussing about the impact of the environment, in particular, uh, the impact of rapid technological shifts. Shifts. Uh, how how does the role of leader change with that? How should one behave? Uh, JR, uh, why don't we continue with uh, uh, what you were uh, recommending in the session when we took the break? Okay, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Mahesh. Uh, my, my thinking uh, is, is really around uh, uh, where the leaders need to pay attention. You know, so we, we talked about this idea of listen, 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 gathering this data, accepting all this impact, being inclusionary, and then you get to the very basic question, uh, well, that is, what are you prepared to do? Well, first of all, first of all, uh, we need to think about uh, the, the idea of, of building an accountable culture. Everyone is accountable. That's that's really the way that you build a, a, a trustful culture. Uh, it, it has to be an all hands on deck engagement. Uh, the change leader must signal that enterprise wide transformation will be a collective effort and with uh, accountability distributed throughout the organization and. And it also has to be understood that talking is not doing. Uh, it is not as much about the values that you espouse. It is more about the message that you send. You need to remember that someone is always watching. Secondly, the organization must be able and willing to invest in this new capacity, this, this new transformational uh, uh, environment. Uh, change leaders must go beyond storytelling and, and motivation and mobilization efforts. They need to 
provide resources so that the organization has what they need uh, to win in a new environment. This this might this might include capital improvement, process improvement, and and uh, uh, building uh, new talent capacities. And then lastly, it's not only about listen, listen, listen. It is also about learn, learn, learn. It's easy to talk about revitalization and renewal. It's easier to do that than it is to do it. Successful companies that make it work have transformational leaders that commit to a relentless learning process. So leveraging these three activities, accountability, providing resource uh, capacity, and continuing to learn while framing the transformation effort as a collective challenge to be embraced together fuels positive change over the long haul since the transformational journey is a never-ending one for most companies today. In due course, these practices create a culture of agility and resilience that will uh, pay dividends out in the future as as large-scale changes become organizational capacity and not not continuing recipes for management failure. Perfect. Uh, Talit, you would like to add something to this point? Yeah, Mahesh, we have been doing some research here in Oxford. I and one of my colleagues, Catherine Courage, and uh, we have been discussing our research uh, with a cohort of very senior, 40 senior leaders from about 17 different countries. And uh, we were trying to identify that what are the different uh, pitfalls or the booby traps that the leaders might experience when the organizations are going digital or when the organizations are absorbing more and more technology. So one of the very fundamental trap here is for the leader is how to pace the speed of change. Should the organization um, go for a big bang solution or should the organization go for a incremental induction of technology? Because here from the point of view of uh, leadership, it's the stability of the organization. Now, the, the what is the challenge here? The challenge is that if the organization goes too slow, then they might be left behind in the race. The other side is that if the organization goes too fast, it may destabilize the organization, it may destabilize various aspects of the culture, the consumer experience, the employee behaviors, etc., etc. So one very big challenge that the leaders would face will be how to uh, agree on what should be the pace of a speed of technological change inside the organization. Second uh, aspect that we identified was 
that when companies are migrating, let's say, from physical distribution channels to digital channels, how should the company ensure that there will be a stability in the culture, the beliefs, the values and the behaviors of the operation? Because often the the digitization of the business model and the delivery model uh, means that the that the faces of the 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 employees will not be visible to the consumers. A lot of uh, business processing will happen not through the pair of hands of the employees but through the digital media. So in the past, if the employees had a microscopic view of the business process, now a lot of business processing would be done by the machine or the technology. And, and this can uh, create an imbalance in terms of man-machine relationships. So this is another pitfall that we uh, discovered during the course of our discussion. And related to this will be uh, what will be the implication of technology and an organizational change on the structure, the policies and the procedures of the organization? Does it mean that the company will have to provide greater degree of autonomy to those who hold the levers of technology in their hands so that they can provide the best uh, customer service? Or can the organization still continue, continue with uh, um, sort of concentration of uh, decision-making power in the hands of uh, some of the strategic uh, role players. Uh, associated with this whole approach of uh, technological shift and the organization change is the issue of redundancies. And uh, no matter what kind of uh, talk the leaders might offer, we have seen that uh, redundancy or uh, having a set of surplus uh, employees is a given a disadvantage of uh, absorbing higher technology in the, in the business process. So again, here is the issue of balancing the number of redundancies versus the induction of the technology. I think that's and a that's a brilliant point, Lalit. Uh, thanks yeah. for sharing feedback uh, <clears throat> from uh, such an esteemed group of uh, 40 CEOs, 17 different countries, and and that very clearly it emerges from your study that it's uh, not either or. It's uh, it's a very uh, important decision which needs critical thinking. Lalit, we'll take a short break and we'll continue our discussions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are having a very interesting discussion on uh, <clears throat> the leadership in 21st century uh, with uh, Professor Johari and JR with me. Lalit, you brought in a brilliant point on uh, how the organizations need to be led when the rapid technological shifts are happening. It need to be a big bang or do you want to go slow and miss the market opportunity? But if you go too hard, uh, you, you may destabilize the organization as well as the relationship with customers. And uh, that's the challenge all the current leaders in existing industries which have been successful in the past are facing. Just to share an example with you on, on, on the digital platform side in e-commerce, the people were shifting from uh, the human channels to the digital channels, their biggest problem is coming in uh, how to look at their financials. It seems very simple that if you don't uh, spend on SGNA of a salesman and instead you're using a digital channel, uh, you have a net saving. But, but people are finding very hard to forecast the numbers because they all get measured basis that that can they let go some of the savings and give the benefit to customer to connect with them through the new channels. So um, looks like in this transition phase, the leadership uh, will be really tested. Absolutely, absolutely, because uh, often the employees uh, observe that they are losing control over the business process. Yeah. And, and they are using the uh, the digital platforms to, uh, on the positive side also, to create a process discipline. If you're going through it, you can do things in a certain manner, which is uh, a company's decided value system. But at the same time, it may restrain their flexibility. So there is, uh, there is a lot to be uh, done and decided by leadership in 21st century. Yes. All right. Uh, so, so before, before the break, break uh, we, were we were talking about the uh, the pacing, the speed of technological and organization change in relation to the number of redundancies. So related to this is also the the big challenge for the leaders: how to craft the internal messages for employees in relation to scope and scale of redundancies. How many people will be made redundant? Who will be made redundant? And what kind of follow-up uh, programs will be offered to these employees because some of these employees may have been working with the company for 10, 15, 20 years and uh, the, the technology may simply absorb their role uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, completing the value chain and these employees may, may, may not be equipped to find uh, alternate 
employment opportunities in the labor market. So this is a very, very touchy issue that how do you craft the internal message and how do you develop the sort of enhancement, skill enhancement or upscaling of the skills uh, for the employees who are going to be made redundant. Uh, for companies where heritage has been a very important uh, source of competitiveness, uh, there is a big issue here and that is that can the technology damage the reputational advantage of these uh, heritage companies because in many cases the heritage is resting on the web of relationships. It is resting on the um, the direct experience that the consumers uh, get in terms of good behaviors, kind behaviors of the employees. Very true. And that, yeah, and that is how these companies have built up their reputation. So what happens when the faces go behind the technology and the, we experience it all the time you know, whenever we want to call our National Health Service, we want to talk to our bank, they keep asking you to press numbers and buttons and switches and often you have to stand in the queue for several minutes and suddenly the call drops. So what happens in uh, such cases? The other point that emerged through the discussion in this group was that would the strategy look very bland? Would there be an absence of passion and empathy for customer? In other words, can the technology mean a disconnect with the emotional makeup of customer? And I think it's a very valid point and we, we, we know it for sure that uh, often the, the attempts to make a connection with the company through the call center result into a lot of frustration. Right. Then there is this whole issue of the expense ratio. It is believed that technology can uh, reduce the cost of the business process. I think the jury is still out on this and uh, unless the organization attains a critical level of uh, volume, volume of business around the big investments they make in the technology, it is not safe to say that technology can improve the cost advantage of the company. In some uh, sectors, there is a huge foundation of relationships, uh, contracts, negotiated settlements. So what is the impact of technology on those foundations? Uh, would it mean that the parties will have to behave differently? Would it mean that they will be um, weakening of the relationship? Does it mean that the companies will have to have new agreements, new forms of documentation, new ways to inform and exchange information? shifting away from face-to-face, table-based conversations and negotiations to uh, more uh, technology-driven kind of uh, agreements. So that is another big uh, source of tension for the leadership. Um, sometimes it is not very easy to find that which consumer segment 
a company is targeting uh, by going digital and uh, this is a problem in insurance company because every kind of customer would have the access to the channel so does it mean that there will be a certain diffusion and there will be a certain a depletion in the service customer need alignment so that's another thing that uh, the 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 uh, companies which are going global have have to take into account and then of course uh, as the companies adopt new technology there will be new regulatory uh, provisions which will come into place so leaders must be willing to face the new regulatory changes and uh, what happens to the supervisory and the operational level leadership when a company goes digital because that's where we see maximum amount of uh, technology taking over the role of supervisory and operational leadership i think jr would have more experience in, in this particular aspect that what happens to the senior middle level layer of leadership when a company goes digital so these were some of the the booby traps that we identified during the discussion with these 40 leaders from 17 countries well that's brilliant uh, lalit thanks for sharing uh, and uh, sharing your thought process with us today uh, we are now coming to the end of our program uh, we will uh, continue our discussions in the next episode uh, it was uh, pretty clear from our discussion today that the role of leaders is definitely getting impacted and it will change the the thought process building some critical thinking uh, on uh, how to continue with the business profile of the companies and grow in future Uh, is definitely getting impacted by technological shift and I, i would say it's not small it's pretty major shift it's it's something like the example which comes to my mind is like banking that is banking uh, uh going to be in the same shape and form as it was in the past and futures doesn't seem like and who hold, holds the key does the technology companies hold the key because uh for them to create banking could become easier like apple pay then there are many other ways of paying rather than banks uh, adopting to the technology because they're already busy in banking and their core strength was banking which is being taken over by digital age so thank you jr thank you lalit we'll continue our discussion in next episode again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.